This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our text today is the gospel lesson just read, especially these words. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Thus far, our text. Dear friends in Christ, in our gospel lesson, we see the temptation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we focus on this text, there's something that we have to know first. Something that, in fact, we confess in the small catechism, as the scriptures teach. And that's this. God tempts no one. God tempts no one. But Satan is no God. Sure, Satan pretends to be divine. He wants you to believe that he's God-like that he's powerful in the same way that God is all-powerful. But Satan is no God. He seeks to lead you astray, to destroy your faith in the Word of God, and instead to have you trust in his own pitiful, powerless Word Instead, Satan is the chief liar. He's always been a liar since the very beginning. In the Garden of Eden, it is lies that Satan told Adam and Eve. It began with putting doubt in God's word. Did he really say? It continued on to completely undermine God's word. And through the doubt instilled by Satan's lies, Adam and Eve fell into sin. And he uses the same tactic now against you. He lies. He deceives. He wants you to believe something that's false, that's untrue. works like this. Did God really say that he's the only true God and that all the rest of them are inventions of man? That couldn't be. Did God really say that you are sinful? Sure, your neighbor's sinful, but you're not. How could you be? Your life circumstances are different. Did God really say that you were going to die for your sin? Just ignore all those cemeteries that you drive by. Just ignore all the generations who went before you but are no longer here. You won't die. You'll live forever. Go and enjoy it. 
Satan operates in this way to try and tempt you to abandon God and to worship his lies instead. And through these constant temptations, Satan works to scar your conscience so that it doesn't know what's right or wrong any longer. He works through his lies to turn you from the almighty, all-powerful God to faith in his lies. Satan tempts. He tempts you. God, God tempts no one. It's not just Satan that's after you. His minions, the thoughts and ideas of the world are after you as well. Pressuring you to fit in with the groupthink that surrounds us. The world demands that you join a political party to believe the things they tell you over the word of God. It tells you that if you believe the things they tell you, if your party wins the election, then you'll have power over those who lost. That you'll get what you want. The world wants you to love your wealth, your home, your car, your family, your friends more than you love the God who made all of those things. The world broadcasts to you loudly, telling you that the more you have, the better your life will be. If you have the most, then you'll be happy. And the world teaches you that it's important for you to appear publicly as an important person. Never let anyone know when you're low, when you're hungry, when you're weak, when you're sick, when you're struggling. That will hurt you in the long run. If you want respect, project an air of respect. It's even given you the tools to do that, hasn't it? Social media, where you can always take a picture of your good side and never show a picture of your problems or struggles. But it turns into a rat race, doesn't it? Everyone scurrying to be the best. To be an influencer rather than to be the one who's influenced. 
The world tempts everyone. The world wants you to love it more than God. And sometimes that even involves hating those whom God has given to you as neighbors. Sometimes that means gossiping about the people who surround you. Sometimes that means taking vengeance against those with whom you disagree or judging those around you on your personal whims. The world tempts you. The world is but a stooge of Satan who wants nothing more for you than you to be angry and impatient, consumed. The world tempts you to fall from your faith in all these things. But God, God tempts no one. Unless you think that all of that temptation is external, outside yourself, from others coming towards you. Hear this last thing. Your own sinful nature is always tempting you as well. We dwell in the flesh. We carry our old atoms about our necks. Our sinful nature, which is always exerting itself, encouraging us to unchastity, laziness, gluttony, drunkenness, greed, deception, desiring us to defraud our neighbors for our own selfish gain, to overcharge those who would buy from us. In short, the old Adam encourages us to have all sorts of evil lusts which cling to us by nature. These lusts, which you and I both have, don't we? These lusts need us to ignore God, to deny God, so that we can be our own 
master and do whatever we want, whatever we feel is right, to love whatever we want, even if it's wicked, to yearn, to experience that which is forbidden. And so, your own sinful nature tempts you to be your own God, to forsake the real God, to forsake even the imitation God, Satan, and even to forsake the world, so long as you are happy. So long as you serve yourself. As an example, if you've read the books, The Lord of the Rings, or watched the movie, your sinful nature is like Frodo in Mount Doom, claiming the ring for himself. Dooming the world. That's your sinful nature. It tempts you that way each and every day. But God, God tempts no one. No, God is not the source of temptation. He cannot be, for He is good, just as His creation was good before we and our sin messed it all up. It's our fault that so many terrible things face us, it's our fault that we must die. It's our fault that we're constantly tempted to do terrible things in our world. And it's our fault that when tempted, so often we give in. By our fault, our own fault, our own most grievous fault. But God tempts no one. Not only does he not tempt, he is the one overcomes temptation. He's the one who in the person of Jesus Christ overcame all temptation. He didn't fall. He didn't fail. 
He had no sinful nature to give into. He was perfect, pure, and holy. He, of all people, always sought to serve in love towards God his Father and towards you, his neighbor. Compared to Jesus, Satan is weak and pitiful. You see that in our gospel lesson. Satan's misquoting of God's word cannot deter the true word of God incarnate in human flesh. Satan's pitiful tempting, though it may overpower you, cannot overpower God in the flesh. Jesus will not turn his back on God. He will do his Father's will. He will not turn his back on you. He will not give up all that God has blessed him with merely to turn a rock into a loaf of bread satisfying him for a minute or two. He will not put God to the test, leaping from the pinnacle of the temple, just to see if God will care for him. He will not go about things in the wrong way. He will not fall down to worship Satan even if promised the world in return. Jesus does what is right. Right by God. Right by the Word. Right. Jesus doesn't care if he's rich or powerful or influential. Jesus doesn't care if he gains in this world. His concern is with his Father's will. He overcomes temptation. He saves you from yours. That's why he goes to the cross. That's where we're headed this Lenten season, to the cross of Christ most glorious. Christ goes against the temptation of the devil, the world, or even our sinful natures. Christ ignores the pleas for bloodless salvation. He ignores the devil's promise of a crossless worldly kingdom. He ignores the taunting, the mocking, and sets his face towards Jerusalem. Even as he hangs there, naked, beaten, bleeding, dying, he ignores the temptation of those gathered round. If you are the Son of God, save yourself. Jesus won't 
come down until it is finished. He won't stop doing what is right by God's word until you are saved from your sin. He defeats temptation with his own death and his glorious resurrection. And what he does is for you. Now, because of Christ's cross, the devil, the world, and your sinful nature no longer hold sway over you. You now belong to the one who overcame temptation. You're baptized into his name. And none of these broken, fallen, pitiful things hold sway over you anymore. If you try to help yourself by your own thoughts and counsel, you make things worse. You give the devil more space. But when you hear the word, when you receive God's gifts, when you remember your baptism, when you eat and drink Christ's body and blood, Christ overcomes temptation in you and for you and through you. Jesus, he's the victorious one. Victorious over the devil. Victorious over the world. Victorious over our sinful nature. He overcomes the temptations that we could not. He defeats the one who defeated you. Jesus. He's the answer. In him, you have victory. Through him, you do what is right. In him and with him, you serve God and serve your neighbor lovingly. While we're here, in this world, we'll keep on praying as our Lord has taught us. Lead us not into temptation until finally we are ultimately delivered from this world of temptation, never to see it again. Christ has overcome, He is victorious. We belong to him. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
This has been With Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Olean. The words, With Intrepid Hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession, and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.